Hello and welcome to the Yo Dude podcast. My name is Patrick. Today we are joined by a very special guest. She's a local Melbourne artist. She's been featured in several different galleries, including the Incubator Gallery. We'd like to welcome Rebecca Pigeon. Rebecca, how are you today? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, Rebecca, how about you just let us know who you are and just for the audience to know. like talking about myself um but I'm an artist I do drawing mainly um I'm also studying to be an art teacher um and a lot of the art I make is about mental health um identity and um autism because I am autistic Ah, okay. So you primarily do drawing, but you're also studying to be a teacher, correct? Yes. Awesome. And how are you finding it so far? Because you are doing your master's. Dressful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, I did not expect to be doing a master's online when I, you know, applied. But um, yeah, it's interesting for sure. I don't think a lot of people are expecting to go online this year, but here we are, aren't we? Yeah, I've had to do like placement online as well, like not only learning how to be a teacher, but then doing placement at a school and teaching kids art over Zoom. That's been an experience in itself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it'd be hard to keep them all settled and focused, you know, because you're never fully aware of what they're doing. Mm. And yeah. like, because I don't have that connection with the kids, because I'm only there for like a couple of weeks, like it's especially hard. Yeah, absolutely, and it sort of stops you from being able to uh, get that face-to-face uh, interpretation, if you will. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, <laughs> despite the fact that it's all online, it seems like you're getting into it rather well. Um, I. It's definitely like confirmed that this is what I what I want to do in fact at the moment I'm actually doing an essay an assignment on um how to implement more therapeutic um aspects into art education and that in itself is making me want to do another degree in like psychology or creative arts therapy which is just my debt my debt is saying no but <laughs> the government's saying yes. Yeah. Saying no. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would be really cool if I could be an art educator and an art therapist in a school together. But that's that's down the track. <laughs> oh yeah, but still, those are two very uh, interesting mediums to sort of integrate together. Yeah. So, uh, Rebecca, you've primarily started as an artist, though, however. So how did you get into it? What was the thing that sort of really uh, fueled that passion for your art? It's kind of just always been there. Um, My grandfather was an artist. He won the Archibald Prize three times. So the Archibald Prize is this big portrait painting prize in Australia. Um, Very esteemed 
and he won it three times, which is a very big deal. Um, so, like, my house has just always been covered in his artworks, and it's just something that I've been surrounded with my entire life. So, it kind of kind of came naturally this like passion for the arts, um, and. I was just always drawing as well, like in in primary school, high school, just all over my textbooks and, and notes. And um, I guess it wasn't until like end of high school where I was like, yeah, this is something I really want to do because this is the only thing that I really feel passionate about. Something that you only really resonated with. Yeah. Like that period in high school when everyone's like, get to think about your future. And I was like, well, <laughs> I was very depressed. So thinking about the future was, you know, not something I enjoyed doing. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone in high school enjoys doing it. Yeah. Like more so that I didn't, you know, see myself having one. Um, that's a bit depressing <laughs> but but I mean, like, everyone goes through a phase like that you know yeah but it was during that time where I was like okay art's the only thing that I really you know feel connected to that that makes me feel hopeful and that I actually enjoy doing um so then I went on to do a bachelor of visual arts at the Victorian College of the Arts and that, w that was a bit wanky <laughs> It wasn't the best, the best experience, but I mean, it's it's what I needed to do at that time. Um, yeah, sometimes you just have to go through the the rough patches to get to the good patches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess then, now that you've sort of explained how you got into it, what was your kind of first big break? What was the thing that you sort of said, "Wow, you know, I'm actually getting somewhere with it." Okay, exactly the point where I was like, I'm good at this and this is what I want to do. So in my in my first year of um, my fine arts degree, um, I had this really shitty teacher. Actually, in high school, um, my art teacher, when I told her I wanted to apply for VCA, she was like, yeah, you're not going to get in. Let's be honest. People don't really get into VCA straight out of high school. I'm like, oh, okay. So she really discouraged me and I was like, uh, I'll apply for like RMIT or something. And then I got accepted to VCA and I was like, in your face, I'm going to go there. Um, and then it ended up being pretty shit anyway, because I had this one teacher who basically told me to stop drawing and to stop doing what I was doing. And like, I get where he was coming from. He wanted me to like step out of my comfort zone and try new things, but it was really discouraging how he went about it. Mm. Um, so my first year at VCA, I was just, I was doing crap. Like, hated everything that I was making I was like I feel like an imposter I, I I don't know how I even got into this school because everyone is so much better than me I it's like imposter syndrome like I didn't felt feel like I belonged there and then 
first semester of second year, I was like, nah, fuck that teacher. I'm going to do what I want to do. So I started doing drawing again. And at the start of second semester, there was this um, award. So it was $2,000 scholarship from uni, um, specifically for someone who does drawing. And I didn't apply for it because, well, I didn't really know about it at the time, but I didn't have much confidence in myself, so I didn't really see the point anyway. Um, And then my teacher called me into his office, a different teacher, not the shitty one. This is a better one. He called (laughs) me into his office and he's like, Rebecca, did you know about this award? And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't apply for it. And he's like, well, we're going to give it to you anyway. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's like yeah we just weren't really happy with any of the people who applied for it and based on your semester one assessment we think you're really deserving of it I'm like oh okay that's pretty cool so that was like the moment where I, I was like oh okay I'm doing what I want to do I'm not listening to that teacher anymore so I'm doing what I want to do and now I'm actually getting like encouraged for it yeah, so you basically, if it ain't broke, you know, yeah, I try to fix it. Yeah, yeah, well, that's and you got a prize exactly. for it too, so I guess that, that added I got, a, I got a hefty sum <laughs> in my bank account for that. <laughs> All for drawing really good. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's great to hear. I mean, it's you definitely hear a lot of similar stories of discouragement, especially in the um, creative industry. Yeah. So it's always good to hear when they come into fruition and it's kind of like, in a sense, that middle finger of, uh, you know, uh, revolution, in a sense, because you're going against the norms. I feel like art school in particular can be very a very toxic environment. Yeah. Um, like... I kind of regret it, but not really. I feel like I would have been better off at a, a more, not not such a wanky school. <laughs> like I wanted to go to VCA because it was like so prestigious and like, oh, it's like the best art school in um, Victoria, but it was just wanky. <laughs> <laughs> but at least, at least you don't, now, for future, not to go to wanky yeah. schools. <laughs> You've got your fill of it, and now you can be done with yeah. it. <laughs> and I guess that sort of has prompted you why you wanted to be a bit of an art teacher yourself, because you don't want to uh, have similar experience for other people. Yeah, I've had such bad teachers in my life, such discouraging, especially my art teacher in high school. Like, you straight up told me I wasn't going to get into the school I wanted to go to. Um and yeah I just didn't have a very good experience with art in high school I didn't even get to do art in year seven eight nine yeah seven eight and nine I didn't get to do any art at all because it was like electives they didn't have it as like you know how maths and English are like you have to do them by default yeah yeah you didn't have to do that at my high school and I applied to do art as an elective every year and I never got into it even though I really 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 wanted to and yeah I just um I feel like art should be a 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like a compulsory subject, at least in the younger year levels, because it can teach you so much. Like people mm. look at art as this, you know, fluffy subject, like not really important when it can, it can help you so much and it can teach you so much about yourself and improve other subjects. Like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, like in the sense of it's a creative outlet. And yeah. From it can spawn uh keys to lock doors you know when you're having a block in a particular area for example yeah like learning how to describe things big uh for example uh shading color uh formats layouts you know when you're trying to describe something in words it's hard to explain it if you don't know what you're looking you know you're mentally picturing or what you're trying to envision in your words so I do get what you mean by saying that, and it can be a very fulfilling and a very um, mind-opening education in terms of uh, col collaborative thought. Mm. So I do get that, and I think that's a very, very good point to have, especially when it comes to the arts, especially with music. You know, music has this powerful tones of volume or these precise signatures of time or these particular soft faint sounds and without that knowledge of what you're trying to express whether it's in another medium or whether you want to tell someone about something you don't have the words for it because you haven't learnt the words for it in yeah a exactly and that's why but, i've been um looking into like art as therapy and why i want to um you know incorporate that into my teaching philosophy because it 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 has so much potential especially for you know because I'm autistic I didn't know I was autistic in high school and I knew I was different but I didn't know how to express that and art has the potential to express that in a way that words can't and I think that's really important you know for kids especially in high school who are going through those developmental changes and puberty and you know social conflicts to have a way to express themselves that they may not be able to in words mm, absolutely 100 percent mm. yeah well that's a really great insight that you brought to us <laughs> beck <laughs> <laughs> uh, now i wanted to ask because you have been doing this for quite a while it's almost you could consider it a bit of a career path like uh whether it's a uh, secondary or our first uh, career path uh, but what is your favorite thing about your career because you do have a shop where you sell stickers and prints and whatnot so what is your favorite thing about that it's a big question <laughs> um i i guess well because i started just as an artist i didn't really consider teaching until like last year um it was basically just the like the freedom of expression and the like the medit meditative meditation medit you know the word i'm thinking of meditative <laughs> practice yeah like the actual process of drawing was really relaxing for me and it really helped me um calm down and deal with you know because my practice is about such heavy subjects and a lot of the art I make is quite vulnerable um, it is quite therapeutic for me and it helps me um, you know just deal with a lot of things and then 
being able to share that with other people and then have them resonate with it and find a connection with it. I think that's my favorite part. That's your favorite part. The there's just the connection. Yeah. Um so in particular I made this um this zine a couple of weeks ago. Um it was called Letters to the People I've Loved and Lost and that was very very vulnerable artwork for me to make and I was very nervous to put it on Instagram because I was like this is literally a piece of my heart and soul I cried so many times while making this and I posted it on Instagram and then I got so many comments of like oh I relate to this so much this like really sparked something in me and I'm like that, that that's why I that's why I love art so much because it really connects people in a way that you know we don't really talk about like if you met someone on the street you wouldn't be like here's my heart and soul here's everything I'm feeling do you relate to this but if you put that into an artwork you can relate to a complete stranger in that way yeah it's like a an unspoken language yeah and that's uh yeah I think uh when I did have a look at your design because i i do like following your artwork and you know really sort of delving into what makes you you and what you present in your artwork i think that was very predominant that uh emotion like the strength in the words and the the perceptions and the designs of what you actually presented in that book that sign sorry it was very predominant it was very um on first uh, iteration or like the first uh, viewing of it, it was very um, powerful and raw emotion in a sense. Yeah, like I put a lot of myself into my art and at times I wish I didn't. Like at times I wish I could just be a bit more detached from what I make art about. But, you know, that's not the kind of person I am. Like I'm a very vulnerable person (laughs) I have a lot of issues um and I I think I need that outlet to like put myself into my art Mm. to to be able to like cope I guess um I yeah I don't think I would like art as much if I was more detached from you know what I was making art about I mean that's just me personally I mean a lot of people make art about things that they're not really like they don't have such a a close connection to um but i i i couldn't do that (laughs) as much as sometimes i wish i could i just i couldn't do that yeah and i and i do get that i guess it's sort of um not a linear sort of approach to it but more of a structural approach to it yeah yeah I guess that sort of sort of works into our next question because it's sort of a I, I guess you've already sort of said it it's as a motivation as an outlet but do you have any other sort of motivations about why what makes you work hard towards making these uh, pieces of art or your designs or whatnot is there something else or is it mainly just for the therapeutic nature for yourself or the 
satisfaction of the outlet of being able to express yourself or is there something else that also motivates you? I think it's mainly the, you know, the therapeutic aspects of it. Um, when I was in art school, I feel like I kind of lost that for a while because, you know, you have to make art for assignments. You, it's like art became a chore for me. And sometimes I get that, you know, when I have an exhibition that I have to make artworks for, I kind of lose the enjoyment for it because it's, it's, it becomes something that I have to do, not something that I'm doing for myself, if that makes sense. Mm. So, yeah, it's, yeah, the main motivation is just like a, a, a time out for myself, I guess. Yeah, so mainly a therapeutic, but at the same time, it's you work hard because you don't want it to be a chore for yourself as well. Yeah, and I um I started my Etsy store as well because I was like, well, I got lots of people asking, you know, are you going to sell your art? Can you do commissions and whatnot? And I was like, all right, let's have a look into it. So I started making some prints. Um, so there, sometimes I do make art specifically, you know, for stickers or prints or like for the purpose of selling but I don't really connect to that much connect to that artwork as much like I don't enjoy it as much I still enjoy it like I enjoy the process of drawing but like if I'm making something that I know I'm gonna make into a sticker or something like that then I I don't enjoy it as much so I guess in a sense it's more like you're motivated to create rather than to uh, profit in a sense <laughs> yeah like obviously I still want to profit <laughs> it's so hard being an artist because you can't really survive on that like mm. that's why I looked into teaching so I could still you know have my art practice and then have an income <laughs> that's also why I started my Etsy store because I'm like I may as well try and make some money off this but yeah, yeah it's it's tricky it is definitely tricky, but it seems like you've navigated the space fairly well and you've got a good idea of where you want to be. So yeah. I don't think you're having too much of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's good then. I guess then, now that we've sort of figured out what your motivations are, and I guess you've already said that you don't really, uh, you know, want to have it as a chore is there any sort of other biggest complaints or things you don't enjoy it enjoy about the job i guess you know in the age of social media blah 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 <laughs> um just trying to get like get yourself out there is really hard like Especially for me, because I'm not good at talking, <laughs> talking about myself and my art. Like I make art, so I don't have to talk about this stuff. Um, <laughs> which I just is wish like the pictures would do all the talking for you. Yeah. So then, when you're, you know, at an exhibition, I was at, I, I was in this exhibition at the start of the year at the DAC Center, which is part of Melbourne Uni, um, and it was, it was, this, it was their youth exhibition about mental health and stigma. Um, it was called From Heart and Mind, something like that. Um, and I made these three artworks about 
my Asperger's diagnosis. And at the opening night, so many people were coming up and asking me about it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. That's why I made these artworks. So, you know, I could just get my feelings out there without having to talk about it. So, um, yeah, talking about my art is probably the worst bit. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been very overwhelming. Yeah, they're like, oh, how'd you feel when you got diagnosed? I'm like, I don't know you. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> That's a very intrusive question. Yeah, because the, the artworks were about, um, you know, how I've been autistic my whole life, but, you know, I only found out when I was 20 years old. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, I'm different now that I know yeah. that I'm autistic. Like, I'm still the same person. I just, you know, have a name for it. Um and yeah um so there's that and also like as i was saying before trying to get yourself out there like trying to get galleries to notice you and um getting a following on instagram especially with the instagram algorithm like it's 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 nearly impossible <laughs> yeah it seems to be a recurring problem for a lot of artists that the uh at the very beginning, the algorithm was great, but now that it's uh, descended into what it is, it's uh, a lot harder now. Yeah, it's like, it's impossible to get recognition unless you already have recognition. Mm. So it's sort of definitely that challenge of building yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have been building up quite a bit. I heard that you just hit, was it 5,000 followers recently? Yeah, I think I'm on like five and a half now. Wow. That's yeah. That's a very big amount of uh, people, like especially for yeah. an art, like, you know, as an artist to have, especially it's, in this day and age. It's a bit, it's, it can be a bit overwhelming sometimes because there's like that pressure to post on Instagram um like because the way the algorithm works if you don't post frequently then when you do post then your posts don't show up in as many people's um like feeds so there's that pressure to constantly be posting like every day and it's like i i i can't make art that fast <laughs> and i don't <laughs> want to be making art just to post it on instagram so yeah, you just can't pump it out like a machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's well. Speaking on the that uh, milestone, and you know, saying that you were in, uh, you've been in uh, galleries for uh, exhibitions and whatnot. Um, I guess the next question is, what what is your proudest accomplishment? Is it a piece of art? Is it a milestone in your life? What what is what sort of would you consider it as your personal proudest achieve, uh, achievement or accomplishment? Uh, graduating from art school was pretty big for me. Um, you know, just personally, because for such a long time, I, you know, didn't think I would even, not to be morbid, but be alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, the fact that I, you know, graduated and now had a degree and now I'm doing a master's. Like, that's, that's so crazy. Like, 
me in high school would never have imagined that, that I'd be doing something like this. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's more so like a personal achievement, but it is, um, in terms of my art, I guess, you know, the exhibition that I mentioned before, the one um, about my autism diagnosis, I got paid for that exhibition. Like, like in all the other exhibitions I've been in, I've had to pay <laughs> to yeah. you know, exhibit in their galleries, but um, for this one, I had to do an application and like a artist proposal of what I was going to make. And then they paid me to do it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a, a complete 180 to what you're used to. Yeah. Um, and cause the DAC Center is a um, is a pretty high profile gallery in Melbourne. Like at the moment, tell Catherine Barton, I think that's her name. I always get her name muddled up, but you know, she's won the Archibald Prize before and she's now exhibiting in a gallery that I exhibited in. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> it's very surreal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, there you go. Look at you now, from uh, no hope to full of hope, in a yeah. sense. And I think that's very, in itself, is a an art piece, you know? Like, you've... you've uh, transformed into this person that you never thought you would be. Definitely, like it's crazy thinking about who I used to be versus who I am now and how art has, you know, had such a huge role in that. Mm. It's, mm. it's definitely an interesting sort of perception to see, like the change of perception. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you speak about your work, though, um, obviously you have had issues in the past where you've had to deal with people constantly berating you with questions you don't really want to answer because <laughs> you don't really know them. Is there a sort of a stigma about your work or anything you'd like to clear up or e explain? You know, is there something that uh, you hear a lot commonly and you think, you know, that's not entirely true or that's not true at all? As a stigma, I think it's just more so, you know, how how I get in my head about it myself. Like in um, you know, last year, in my last my final year of um art school, I didn't really have any friends. <laughs> and um, you know, because I was making art that was so personal and so vulnerable and no one else was really making art that was like that and I think people got a little like you know overwhelmed by it um like like overwhelmed at how personal I was being and how vulnerable I was being um so I think that's just caused me to get into my head a little bit about it um you know, that people might make these assumptions about me based purely on my art. Like, oh, she must be so sad. She must be so depressed when, you know, I'm not, I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty happy. 
um, but I just choose to make art about, you know, the more negative things because that's my way of coping with it. So I feel like people might judge me as being a very sad person, um, if you get what I mean, because I don't, if I, because I don't, you know, focus on the more positive things in my art. You get what I mean? Yeah, I guess what you're trying to say is um, you don't want people to interpret your art as your uh, present self, in a sense. Yeah. Just because you've reflected a particular negative emotion or a negative notion or thought pattern that doesn't reflect who you presently are. It reflects what you were presently feeling at the time when you were producing that piece of work. My art is who I am, but there's more so there's also more to me than what's just in my art. Yeah, it's it's not a, a permanent description in a sense. Yeah, it's a it's a description of a time or of a place that you were at, or in a sense, is that what you're trying to uh, yeah. put forth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess sort of like the painting doesn't define the the artist. Yeah. Like it can explain what the artist, how the artist draws and what they like to draw, but it, it doesn't explain it, the artist. Like I've had a couple of comments. Um, my mom in particular, <laughs> she'd be like, why can't you make, you know, some happy art, like make something a bit more positive. But I'm like, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is what I enjoy doing because it helps me, you know, feel better. Um, and yeah, it's it's just that you know feeling of people judging me for being making depressive art. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that at all, in a sense, you know. Mm. Without it's you cannot put a limitation on what you want to produce. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think that's a a very good a very good uh, I don't think it's a personal stigma. I mean, I think it's a very true for a lot of people um, that they get definitely um, they gain some uh, judgment or typed or stereotyped from their artwork, and I don't think it's a very reasonable or very fair portrayal, you know. It's, all, it's almost like uh, that old saying, you can't judge a book by its cover, you know? It's yeah, the same. exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely understand that. Mm. Um, yeah. I guess uh, the next sort of question, you know, because it definitely sort of stems from, you know, your I- issues in the past with galleries, and, you know, that sort of stigma from the artwork is, uh, is there any sort of industry standards? that you think need to be changed in your opinion especially for you know you want to be a teacher in art or whether as an artist that any of those industries that you think sort of need change you know educational setting there is so much that needs to be changed <laughs> um like how um how i was saying before about um art being a more compulsory subject 100% needs to happen um you know in year 7, 8, 9 and 10 um 
and just the structure of school. I have a lot of issues with school, <laughs> which is kind of why I'm, you know, wanting to be an art teacher so I can change it, you know, as much as I can. I know one person can't do much, but I may as well try. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm doing this assignment at the moment about art therapy in schools. Um, and I'm gonna, I've, I've decided I'm gonna do my capstone essay on this next year, which is like 10,000 words because I'm so like passionate about it. Um, but I was looking into the difference between art therapy and art as therapy. So art therapy you do with a like trained psychologist, psychiatrist, you can actually like interpret what you're making, I guess, whereas art as therapy is, you know, the, the, the therapeutic process of making art. So more so what I do. Um, so I'm for this assignment, I've had to design a a curriculum like project or a way of implementing change in a in the art classroom so I'm you know thinking about ways of using art as therapy to help kids going through you know those developmental changes social conflicts peer pressure bullying um you know stress the having the weight of the future on your shoulders in year 12 like what do you want to do with your life um <laughs> having a way to explore that and um cope with that um yeah that's 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 a, a huge thing that i want to you know um do as a teacher is help kids you know express themselves and cope with the weight of the world on their shoulders yeah so in other words you sort of want the standard to change from rather than obviously hitting targets and goals to actually providing this uh capacity and space uh for children or teenagers or high schoolers that sort of empathy to sort of you know provide that um, environment for them to actually understand and you know create from those choices rather than expect uh, to fulfill a particular role with yeah, those choices. Exactly. Like I feel like the education system is so much about you know having a checklist and then working towards assessments and then doing that assessment and then you know that's it like like they don't really understand why they're learning something they're just doing it for the assessment because they have to learn it um and i hate that uh, <laughs> i hate that it's all just assessment 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 i hate assessments um i want i want i want kids to you know understand why they're learning something and why it's important and how you know that's relevant to their own lives and how they can fit their own experiences into that like make it a more a more like world worldly experience rather than just you know doing something because you have to do it yeah not so much uh number crunching in a sense <laughs> yeah standardized testing is just the worst <laughs> <laughs> yes it's unfortunately uh a bit rough 
I definitely agree with that. Yeah, like, you know, the whole ATAR, VCE, like, putting kids against each other, ranking them, giving them a number, it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I didn't care about my ATAR when I was in high school because I knew I wanted to do a fine arts degree and that was interview-based, not ATAR-based. But, um, you know, seeing people around me so stressed about, you know, their SACs and their exams and what their ATAR was going to be, like, it consumed them and they were so stressed and so worried. And it's like, there's more, there's more to this than just a number. Like, it doesn't matter. And then, you know, you get your number, you get into your university degree and nobody cares about what your ATAR was. Like, it's stupid. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> and, and how everyone's ranked against each other. And it's this competition of who's best. And it's like, no, we all have different ways of learning, different ways of expressing ourselves and our knowledge. And, you know, the school system just doesn't seem to recognise that. And I hate it. Yeah, and I, I do hope that those changes can get implemented because it would be great to sort of alleviate those stresses and those pains that a lot of uh, young people go through growing up yeah. with experience. 12, like you're 18, you're 17, 18 in year 12. Like that's such a, you know. Milestone year. Milestone, but you spend the whole year just stressed out and worried and anxious and it, and the statistics for you know kids in high school with mental health issues is just it's 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 Obscenely so upsetting yeah. yeah and it's because of these the pressure that school puts on you you know to get a good number and it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day it really doesn't <laughs> yeah. it only and the thing is it only lasts two three years and then it's useless exactly and if you don't get the number you want to get into your university degree there are so many other pathways of getting into that degree like we really don't need this system at all there are so many other ways we could do it you know that don't cause so much stress and anxiety for students well, there you go. I think that's definitely a very insightful uh, thought, especially on that, because that's, those are things that I definitely agree with too. Mm. Now, are you ready for the next two hardest questions you'll ever Ooh. have to answer? Okay. <laughs> They're extremely hard, and you have to think about them really, really carefully, all right? Are you going to ask for my, my, my card number? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask your bank details or your card numbers. Feel free to send them, but I'm not going to ask them. The first question is, I need you to pick a number between 1 and 10. Oh, 8. 8? Is that yeah. your final? Your final? Yeah. Yes, 8's my favourite right. number because it looks like an infinity symbol. Okay, <laughs> so the next question is, who would you want you to Sorry, who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? God, um... Oh my god, I've never thought about that. It's a hard want... question. Who would you pick, Patrick? Oh, easy, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, especially, I can see that. Especially in, like, Ragnarok, I, that, I reckon. That would oh, be... Oh, well, I can so see that, that would be so good. And the, and the thing is, too, he could definitely play, like, uh, you know, me in, you know, uh, Endgame, you know, 
is when he's all like, you know, a bit of a bum and whatnot, and then he can, you know, the rest of it be him in like Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> but these questions aren't about me, they're about you. We're getting to know you. I've suddenly forgotten every single actress that's ever existed. I was thinking maybe Anne Hathaway would be a good one. Thinking that. Thinking that. But, you know, Anne Hathaway, I feel, is a bit dull sometimes. Like, she's kind of stereotyped as a very dull, like, her characters seem quite dull, in my opinion. But she definitely has a very warm smile. And I yeah. think you've got a very warm smile too. That's why Aww. I thought maybe Anne Hathaway. That's so sweet. But this, 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 that's my answer. I still need your answer. <laughs> um, hmm. Maybe like realized. Millie Bobby Brown or something Millie like Bobby that. Brown. Yeah. I could definitely see her as uh, portraying you in your life. Mm. I mean, she's definitely that age bracket too as well, because you're still quite young and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's a good answer. I feel like she'd be able to um, handle the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> handle and portray the trauma of the life that is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you so much for coming today on the podcast. It's been really fantastic having you, having your insights. Um, I guess now this is the part where is there any sort of projects that you're working on now that you want to really sort of uh, plug right now? Or is there anywhere that you want people to, uh, you know, check out more of your work? Because obviously you have your insta handle you've also got your website that's been set up so uh, tell us what you're working on and yeah tell us where we can find you currently working towards a solo exhibition which is super exciting my first ever solo exhibition which was supposed to open in like four days from now but you know covid so <laughs> that'll probably be sometime next year um and if you want to see the progress on that you can follow me on instagram and Twitter um, at Beck Pidge, Pidge is P-I-D-G-E, um, and also www.beckpidge.com. Excellent. Well, you heard it here, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. And next time we will have uh, another special guest, Yu Chan or Yuck Tattoo. Uh, that's what we'll be interviewing next. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.